And I am your other host, Chris Pruitt. Mac Rero, producer of the show. Today we are going to be talking about Season 2, Episode 4, in the Twin Peaks Double Play. Uh, just a quick intro before we begin. Uh, we are on staff of a literary journal called Drunk Monkeys. We just published our May issue. And we will be closing for submissions at the end of the month. Once we reopen in July... We will not be opening um, poetry or fiction because we have an extended backlog of accepted pieces in these two categories. And people are waiting now over a year to show up on our pages and, and that feels bad. And I'm starting to have panic attacks when I get the email. So, um, so if you hear this before the end of May for some reason and you wanna send in a poetry or fiction piece, send it on in now. Everything else will be open in July. Um, we will also keep the 24 hour submissions open for the remainder of the year in our open months. However, there's a caveat that if you send poetry or fiction, you're going to wait a long time before you show up. Um, this will fix everything. And when we reopen for everything in January, it'll all be fixed and I won't have panic attacks anymore. In the meantime, yeah. we are adopting AMPM slogan of too much good stuff. That's the problem. <laughs> exactly. Um, we're a spoiler light podcast. You should know this by now. We're not going to be talking about season three, episode eight, or anything like that until we get to it. Um, so we just discuss each episode as we go through. I don't know why you would be joining us this late in the, uh, in the series, but you know what? Welcome if you are. Well, you might be for this episode because it might be the point where you hit one and went, what the fuck is going on <laughs> okay. in the show? I should check in and <laughs> see what's going on. Um, happy five-year anniversary to The Return. Very excited to have Matt watch The Return for the first time. <laughs> I'm very excited too, yeah. And get to yeah. talk about those episodes. It's going to be a lot of fun, I think. It's going to be fun. We got eight more of this and then the movie and then we can do, if we do that in that order. If we're, we're making progress. It's we happening. Are. I actually counted last <laughs> night. I watched this episode with my teen son, Aiden, that I talk about a lot on this show. Uh, and I was like, wait a minute, how many more do I have? And I was like, oh, fucking eight? Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, let's just get started. This is a strange episode. It feels like a lot happens and nothing happens at the same time. I only wrote an eight and a half worth of notes. Um, it, it's kind of a funny, funny episode. So let's just jump in and start talking about it. Um, when we last left off, there was some shenanigans happening at the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department. And there was like thunder and a power shortage. And then... <laughs> When the power came back on, there was a dead man uh, in a very intricate test setup in the in Harry's office. Pointing at, there was like a dead deer next to him. And so we're going to be exploring who this man is and why he's there, et cetera. So, um, of course, we, we have Doc Hayward. Like, why wouldn't he be taking pieces of <laughs> chest, chest pieces out of the corpse's mouth? as the resident doctor slash everything else in town. Quintuple board certified Doc Hayward. Um, <laughs> I wanted to mention a couple things here. First is that uh, I think we we deduced, I think Colleen caught it, and then we drilled down on it at the end of the episode that this is Kyle's brother, Kyle McLaughlin's br mm. brother, who's playing the body here. It's very noticeable in this like first scene because there's more light on the body, and you can see his head shape is exactly the right. same as Kyle <laughs> McLaughlin's, and he's like standing over him, and it's like, oh yeah, these are like the same guy. Uh, so that's kind of funny. 
Um, Truman's dialogue in this scene really lampshades the thing I was complaining about at the end of the last episode, where it's like they were trying to tie off this weird, uh, you know, we the corrupt Mountie stashed coke on Coop so he could oust him from the FBI thing. But then they hit the end of the episode and decided they needed to set up something crazy. So like in the last two minutes of the prior episode, it was like, oh, there's a fire outside and there's lightning and uh, the power's out. So we all ran out of the station. Then we came back in. There's a dead body in there and then blah, blah, blah. And so like Truman like walks in as Kyle and Doc, or I'm sorry, as Coop and Doc Hayward are investigating the body. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. Nobody saw anything because there's a fire and there was lightning and there was no power and there was this and the other thing was happening. It's like very like just just so you remember nothing made sense about the end of the prior episode it still doesn't make Lost? sense now. you should be so are we yeah. <laughs> um uh yeah i think i think it's funny oh, oh, one thing i think is funny is like they don't necessarily say this directly but this body obviously looks a lot like because it's by uh Kyle brother but like i like the idea of <laughs> the killer like i have to find a body that looks i have to find a guy that looks like agent cooper kill him and then set him up in, like like there's just like so many layers of like what <laughs> yeah i wish they had talked about it because honestly it makes an interesting plot point and it makes sense from a what we already know about uh Wyndham Earl and b what in a couple scenes coop is just going to repeat almost verbatim for the second time in the series which is very weird um, <laughs> uh that like we know he's targeting him specifically it, it feels like a lost opportunity to go that oh he did this on purpose he's cool yeah, oh it's you know? supposed to be threatening because it looks like meat like yeah yeah <laughs> i wouldn't just kind of gloss over, over it despite yeah. the fact that it's right there in the text i don't know very strange maybe it's something like you're supposed to be able to pick up on but i don't know it feels like there's just so much stuff going on in this episode that it feels like a missed opportunity i like that like coop has this one like swatch of hair it's like hanging over one eye, very emo-y. Yeah, yeah it, it's very uh, Peter Parker, Spider-Man 3 kind of. Yes, yes, very emo Spider-Man. And very, it stays yeah. the whole episode. So it's Very like, aging it's like, member of Panic at the Disco. Uh, <laughs> this is like off-duty Coop. Yeah. <laughs> this is like victim Coop. He's got... He's got emo hair. <laughs> though, yeah, so, I mean, I'm okay with that. No, it, it's real good. I, I appreciated witnessing that throughout most of this episode. <laughs> My next note says real good at what he does, I guess, because he Coop's like, you're not going to find any fibers. You're not going to find a fingerprint. This is exactly what he did. He lifted the body through the window and set it up and somehow managed to not leave anything but some footprints. Like, <laughs> I'm like, wow, he's real good. Yeah. Uh, I can't walk through a doorway without hitting my hip on them. <laughs> yeah, and, and as he describes this, he says at the end, but I know it's Wyndham Earl because he was able to guess what type of wound it was. And he goes, I can still feel his presence, which is like yes. a very Coop thing. No evidence, just vibes. Like we know what's going on here. <laughs> I'm just vibing and I feel he's here with me right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that. <laughs> um. I'll, you'll have to forgive me. Like I said, my notes are truncated. Is this where he gives the background of Wyndham Earl? And and that's later in the episode. Not quite. Uh, we go from here to uh, a couple of teenagers appearing to drink whiskey at the bar at the <laughs> hotel. Um, this is so funny. Okay, wait, this is Audrey and, and Bobby. This is Audrey and, and Bobby. As we've stated before on this show, we love the Audrey and Bobby. Yeah. They are excellent together and they really needed like more with them because yeah. they work good off of each other well off of each other but i love the maniacal table setting here yeah candles and ducks 
sorts of shit all over the place. And they're like, my dad's like an ice cube man. <laughs> okay. There's a genuinely good piece of dialogue in both delivery and like answer here where Audrey is trying to like convince Bobby, like you need to help me get Ben back in shape because like, this is going to benefit all of us. And she's like, okay, Bobby, do you want to get rich? And he goes, immediately (laughs) it's such a great answer to that absolutely i do (laughs) my dad is like this like an ice cube (laughs) or bobby keep up uh yeah as we know ben is like deep in his civil war like shenanigans and it's it's a hard time for everyone and i like this because i like that audrey and bobby are always kind of conniving to get like you know, like they're always scheming to like make it on top and stuff. So it's nice to see them doing it together. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think one thing that this scene does well is it reminds us how like, you know, Ben Horn is essentially like a criminal mastermind, like a low level criminal. He's not like putting out hits and stuff. He's like a guy that owns some shady businesses and mm-hmm. moves money around and stuff. But like, you know, the legitimately the town doesn't seem to run without him like when ben is holed up in his crazy like uh people aren't making money deals aren't yeah. getting made you know so it, it's kind of interesting the way it kind of puts the focus back on you know we need this guy here doing shady shit or the money's not coming in you know it's not changing hands right right <laughs> um it's a good it's a good little scene i love them i really wish that there was more yeah uh, with them but um we go on to Shelly and Leo's house and um, just like a brief kind of like backstory. So Leo has awakened from this like uh, comatose sort of state and um, is attacking Shelly now. And so it's a very like dark scene. She's kind of like creeping around in the house, trying to avoid him, like not sure where he is. He's lurking in the shadows. There is an amazing clown on the wall. And <laughs> I love it. There's a lot of weird shit in this set. They have the most bizarre house. (laughs) (laughs) I would love, like, I wish, like, it was still, like, set up. I would love a walkthrough. Maybe there's a walkthrough somewhere, like, (laughs) photo. But they have, like, this this batshit decor all the time. There's this amazing clown on the wall. But this this scene is, like, equal parts super creepy and kind of upsetting because it's, like, heavily, like, steeped in domestic violence, but also, like, kind of madcap. And there's, like, some doofy choices that they yeah i that was i have this same note too where like the only reason it works is because it's the dynamic between shelly and leo is so gross that it still feels like dangerous and it still Mm -hmm. feels like i don't want to see this happen to these characters but like you know they are it's so scooby-doo the way that like (laughs) All of the all of the doors seem to be locked from both the inside and right. the outside simultaneously, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense at all. And like, you know, you're looking at they show wide shots of the house where it's like this house doesn't have walls everywhere. It doesn't matter if the doors are locked and they do eventually go that route. Get to but that. it's <laughs> after after a bunch of like several scenes where like Shelly runs into a slow moving wheelchair that Leo pushed at her. Right. It's like, come on, man. Yeah. Uh, so like she's it, like trying to creep and he like pushes the wheel and they like tease it for a bit. Like the wheelchair's there. It's there. Oh, he pushed it. And Aiden, no one is behind the wheel. It's like, yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. No one's in it. Just go around it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but then he like throws her like over a chair and it's like really, really upsetting. But then they cut to like an owl. And my thing says, this owl is so stupid. It's like, who will help Shelly? <laughs> like, so right. And yeah. um, 
And, you know, Bobby's coming home and it's like, is Bobby, this is like the 90th time Bobby's come home attacking Shelly and it's going to be fucking useless again. Let's find out. And, um, and what's crazy is like he, uh, Leo does throw her over this chair, which really was like kind of upsetting to watch. But then there's a moment where he screams like a guttural scream. But what if you look? His mouth isn't moving. Yep, I noticed that exact thing. It was obviously post in and his face is just like. It's like so stoic. So it's like not even like, oh, it's his inner like demon. (laughs) It's so stupid. And I'm like, what is it? Can we? (laughs) So then he starts, of course, like Bobby like comes in and is like, ah. And um, yeah, clown on the wall, I want it. And, and like he starts attacking Bobby and Shelly takes this opportunity to stab him like in the shin <laughs> or like the calf. And then he does like a Frankenstein tumble through like, like the tarp that's covering his exposed wall. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> there's um, like drywall up or anything. He's like, <laughs> right. Like at, like at some point when Shelly was trying to escape, she slashed a hole open in the uh, tarp covered wall. This is how yeah. Bobby eventually gets in to try to save her. And this is how Leo gets out of the house. There, there's the way that the denouement of the scene is also really weird because Bobby is like holding Shelly. He goes, it's okay. You're safe now. And literally you can hear Leo going, rah, rah, because he's like <laughs> literally just walked out the thing. It's like, no, he's like right there and clearly not dead. Like, I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> are, you sure? are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty silly. Um, I mean, they look kind of like hot, like cuddled up next to each other. Like, it's like a very, you see that scene yeah yeah you see like photos of it if you look it up and stuff but um but it is like real goofy the way he like leaves the the way he busts reminds me of like the simpsons like lampooning like like planet of the apes or so it's (laughs) and aiden was like why didn't she just stab him in like the head or like the chest and i'm like Mm. because they need it for another plot point later on (laughs) why is the question that you shouldn't ask yourself too much of when you're watching twin peaks they're never really going to come up with a good answer. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I wrote a stat and he limps away, LOL. Um, we go back to Coop with his hair. <laughs> we go back to Coop and his hair at the police station. Uh, we get a good piece of... Um, of like one of those times where Hawk just walks into the room and he's like, oh, hey, I did all the detective work on all of our cases for the last hour. So I, I have like 40 plot updates here. Um, one of the more- Lots notable- of exposition from, from Hawk as usual. Yeah, one, one of the more notable ones, uh, somehow in the fastest they have ever worked in human history, and it must be because they were clearing a cop, the DA, the DEA has dropped their charges against Coop. So he's okay. They've, he's not been reinstated at the FBI yet, but he thinks he will be able to once he speaks to his superior, Gordon, who we are always happy to see more of. So at least Waiting we have that in our future. Um, we, he, Hawk also gives us a funny update that like the reason Hank was not involved in the drug buy was that he was in the hospital. He claims he got hit by a bus. This is because he, actually, because he got the crap beat out of him by She-Hulk Nadine in the Nadine. previous episode. <laughs> um, so that's kind of a funny detail. Supposedly he is under arrest at the hospital because of, you know, they've decided to call this a parole violation that he was caught in the photograph initially. So criminals, if you're out there on parole, do not get hit by a bus. It will <laughs> And that makes sense actually to me, considering our justice system. Yeah. Uh, Hawk also 
confirms some completely made up theory that Coop had in the previous episode where or in the previous scene with Coop where he was like he definitely stole a car and it drove it up to a certain specific point in the mountains and left it there and it was like what where would you get that information why do you think that and Hawk's like yeah it was up there just like you said no prints crazy <laughs> wild <laughs> I will note that this was the first scene where Aiden mentioned that it seemed like there was a lot of sexual tension between Harry and Coop Oh, yeah. You're not imagining that. We have talked about it. Except yeah, 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 it's there. And what, in fact, his way of saying it was, are these two going to fuck? <laughs> God, you would, think, you would think so. And I wish. Uh, and, and my headcanon, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm but, sure Archive of Our Own has lots to say on the issue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, I just thought it was funny that he picked up on it as well. So oh, yeah. yeah. It's not just us, like, wishful thinking. <laughs> no. Um, um, I, I imagine what he's referring to is the moment there where he's like, well, you may not be an FBI agent, but you're still my deputy. Yes, and in fact, he went, you're still my deputy. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. I was like, I support them. It's fine. Yeah, um, yeah so we have, we have that exposition. Um, we go from here to this like madcap Andy moment mm. where he's like flinging <laughs> like, like latex gloves around. Yeah, he's like trying to take it off and it flings over into Lucy's window and this provides like a context for him to go over and be like, listen, Lucy, we're working on a theory. We think Nikki, the little orphan kid we've been hanging out with to prove that we can be good dads. We think he murdered his parents. And Lucy has one- Isn't he an orphan? (laughs) Yeah, Lucy has one of her best ever line reads where she goes- He's nine years old. (laughs) Andy has one of his best ever line reads where he says, we think he was six. Six, yeah, it's right (laughs) afterwards. So good. We think he was six when he did it. The dynamic is so good. Um, It's just so funny. And and what's so funny is her reaction here. She's like, you guys are fucking idiots. Six-year-old boy did not slaughter his family in cold blood. And if you believe that, then both of you, are morons and will never see this child. Like, you're not fit to raise a chip, I think is what she said. And I think importantly, she gets up and she's like, I'm gonna solve this. (laughs) But what kills me about this scene is this was the line in the sand for Lucy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both Dick (laughs) and Andy. Like, she was like, I can't take any more of this bullshit. After all of it, after everything, after my sperms, after (laughs) fashion, like, after the thing where he like, thought she could have had a baby in two months because she had her sister's baby <laughs> in her arms or whatever. I, she was just like, I have fucking had it. I'm yeah. no more with you two. So it's very funny. It's a cute little scene. Goes back pretty quick, but it's good. Um, let's see. Where are we? We think he was six. LOL. This is we, the one I stand for her. Oh, we, God, go okay. from, we go from here to uh, the garage that James is now eternally working in. Um <laughs> And uh, we we get a wide shot that shows us that this dude has doubles of everything and possible triples, triples. of the ones triples he really makes loves. It safe. Not so much, actually. <laughs> makes it really safe, yeah. <laughs> Except in this case. Um, so yeah, it like pans across his garage, and he's got like a bunch of models of old cars. He's got a bunch of old cars. He's got just like hella old car shit in here. He's a gearhead. Is yeah, that yeah. What they call him? Um, like. <laughs> He and this is the I think pretty much the only time we see this guy like yeah. fully on screen ever. The With like um, lines. <laughs> yeah, and and the husband comes out 
and he's like um super jovial with james he's like oh hell yeah uh i'm this abusive husband guy but you know my wife told me that like she found this like little like motorcycle urchin in a bar and now he just lives in my house and fixes my cars and that's great i have no problem with this love it thank you for fixing my cars. in fact awesome job i love that you're here why don't you stay forever and just work on my shit (laughs) (laughs) i will drive every one of these cars into the ground and you will be there to fix it for me yeah he's like he's like pretty stoked about it he's like all right why don't you just like hang out here and be my personal guy to chat about cars with when i come back home and yeah james being is like, my wife in the side i don't care. yeah yeah james is like uh drink uh, with my uh, weird uh, brother-in-law <laughs> like why not <laughs> uh yeah i like it because james is so standoffish in this scene he's just like whatever man yeah. and evelyn's like got this look on her face like like <laughs> like ah uh. yeah <laughs> like she's like this close to being caught at everything like all the time and then he's like well i gotta go to work or whatever and he drives off and they have the dumbest fucking like car crash sound that is madcap and campy <laughs> like literally 14 hours after i was like was he supposed to actually crash like right there and like yeah so i or was this like in her head yeah so i made the same note and yeah. what I think you're supposed to get is that it's in her head, but yeah, she it knows is. it's going to happen because like yeah. the sound has like a weird reverb on it. It has a bit of a like, you know, this is in her head sound. But yeah. then the thing that I as I was watching it, I couldn't remember exactly how this plot line resolved <laughs> because it's so insane and stupid and has nothing to do with anything else in the series. And it resolves but, stupidly too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I couldn't remember if he actually crashed or not. So I spent like half of this episode, and I'm not considering this a spoiler because it's later in the episode that we're talking about. But like yeah. he, you know, like he does go crash and die. But it, I, I don't think it's supposed to happen right there. No, it's or it would just be like literally no, it doesn't right make sense the... to yeah. happen right there. Yeah. Because yeah. James is like, I'm just going to go back upstairs and watch really loud baseball, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, like, I feel like if he crashed right there, James wouldn't notice it. Yeah. Because he's <laughs> still also, in the garage at that point. <laughs> yeah. But also, the idea of like leaving the driveway and immediately like crashing and dying is hilarious. I so, like, kind of wish they had here. done that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that, that scene in When Hot American Summer. Like singing Danny's song, and he's like, "In the morning when I oh fuck!" (laughs) But I was just like, "Wait, what just happened there?" And I was like, "You know what? I don't fucking care. (laughs) I don't care what happened." Um, Yeah, so funny. So, um, so yeah, we're gonna come back to them like real quick, but um, we have a brief, very weird aside here. (laughs) We go to Doc. Uh, Haywood and Ed having like lunch at the diner. This scene is so bizarre because uh, for a lot of reasons. The yeah. reason is Ed is asking him advice because Nadine who thinks she's a teenager wants to start dating. So at first it's like okay, idiots give this plot, plot line aside. Sure. Okay, she's, she thinks she's a teenager. Should I let her date? Right? And then Doc's like is she sexually active? And then Ed says, I wake up every morning feeling like I got hit by a Mack truck, which means that they're fucking still, but she doesn't know who Ed is to her. And she she also thinks she's a teenager. But she also thinks she's a teenager, but does she think he's a teenager? Like, 
And also, why is he having sex with a like a brain damaged person? Right. Wants and, to date and have sex with other people. The whole dynamic is off. It doesn't make any sense. And Doc Hayward's response to it is just like, yeah, fuck it. We keep fucking her and she can fuck other people too. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, kids will be and, kids, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, then, I very much had the response to this that like we are really seeing the limits of Doc Haywood's like quintuple board certified specialty <laughs> here. I don't think I think he's out of his depth talking about what's going he's on. Like with an Mandy. amnesia sex therapist. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think we need, I think we need the one other specialist in town, Jacoby, to take a look on this one because he hasn't tried. Yeah, yeah. Because he shows up two or three other times in this episode. Yeah, he does. Shocked he hasn't gotten his dirty mitts all over a horny Nadine, but yeah, yeah. uh, Horny brain damaged Nadine. But then during this whole scene, Norma like comes up, just gives Ed like Google eyes for like 45 minutes. And they're just like, hey. (laughs) And she's like, I mean, like it rounds back to like her and Ed talking, obviously yeah. leaves, but like it's like Norma, go stand over there for five seconds. Like you're being weird. The whole the whole like dynamic of this scene is so bizarre. Yeah, and they they very much get into the like she's like you know like uh, uh, Hank is like fucking handcuffed to his hospital bed right now because he violated parole uh, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah yeah well he tells her like yeah, what I know, happened yeah. was he was in my house mysteriously the, st- the staging didn't while make we any were sense. fucking yeah. by the way <laughs> <laughs> and then he jumped me and then nadine fucking killed him <laughs> that was such a um, funny round robin of like what was like like what is happening having yeah. sex and then donna showed up and then she left and then <laughs> yeah and then hank was there like it was just, but then nadine comes it was just like a real like Benny Hill, like, yeah, yeah, and they they do a little like Ed Nadine here of like, oh, we should run away to like a cabin. Like people would know then, but who cares? Like, let's just do it. But I also like that, like Doc Doc's like, so like, what's up with James? Where's he? And like, it's like, oh, don't worry, like Don is taking him the forty five cents he had. <laughs> don't worry she's gonna go find him that's right the fucking like two dollars like that was in his bank account or whatever she's driving two hours to go give that to him yeah i think even in 1990 money that would be more <laughs> gas than the dollars was worth um yeah <laughs> funny uh so yeah they're like let's run away and that that's kind of that hank's going to jail let's fix some mistakes of our own like that kind of stuff and speaking of mistakes, good segue back to James and Evelyn here, where, as you said up earlier, he's watching, like, the loudest baseball game of all time while he showers. Like, why is this. it so loud? Like, yeah. um, And, crazy. like, she comes up and she's like, oh, you look like you're packing to leave. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, well, why? And he goes, it's wrong. And that's pretty much the scene. Um, they- <laughs> so we're watching it, and she's like, "But I love you, James." And like tries to, and she's like, "Malcolm isn't my brother," but doesn't expand on it. Yeah, it's like, 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 like that you guys like Aiden isn't my son, and then just like kept talking. Well, I, I I don't think she says the Malcolm isn't my brother thing until the later, later? scene. Because well, they, again, <laughs> this is another one of these points where they have almost the same conversation twice in this that's episode. Um, so like, yeah, they they do this thing where she's like don't leave he's like i'm gonna leave and she's like you probably shouldn't leave and he's like well it's wrong and she's like okay but don't leave and he's like i'm gonna check my bike so like yeah. he goes downstairs but he doesn't take his i'm stuff. gonna go check my bike yeah but so although it's funny as we were watching and she like throws herself at him and aiden was like she sexually assaulted him and i'm like she did actually <laughs> yeah. yeah he's like no 
And she's like, I'm going to try to stick my tongue down your throat anyway. And he's like, please get off of me. I'm like, no, you're completely right. Like, And also he's like 16 or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> I think he's like supposed to be 18, but but he is still technically still. in school. Yeah. <laughs> he hasn't been there in five months, but. Uh, <laughs> Nor have any of the characters as far as I can tell. <laughs> just, just Nadine. Except, <laughs> except for that one random time where Nadine was there and Donna was in, getting into her locker. <laughs> like, that was <laughs> the only <laughs> time any of them to were get there. Something. Um, um, I, but I love the, I'm going to go check my bike. Like real, like that's his out all the time. Yeah. Uh, my bike. I got to get on my bike and go, man. <laughs> my bike so, is my only out. So here's another spot where it repeats itself because we cut from here back to the sheriff station and we basically have this thing and it's not even really worth going into because Coop just basically tells uh, Truman the exact story that he told Donna or I'm sorry, Audrey in like 10 episodes ago where he was like, well, but with the caveat that um, he was protecting a woman and she died. Yeah. Yeah. But, but with the caveat that it was Wyndham Earl's wife, wife. yeah, that I, Wyndham Earl did the original crime, crime. that like yeah. the wife had seen, and that was why she was in witness protection or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So Very like common. the the only new bit of information we get is that you know, Wyndham Earl is the perpetrator of the crime, but also it was his wife, and that's why he took this killing so hard. And that's it. Like the rest yeah. of it is almost verbatim the same story. It's really weird. <laughs> uh, this is where Aiden said they're going to bang because I wrote it down. Uh, got it. Well, they should. Like, um, yeah, maybe. Who knows? I support them. <laughs> it's fine. This is this is also where I screen capped my extremely low effort meme that you will find on the uh, uh, <laughs> on the Twin, Twin Peaks, Peaks podcasting Twitter feed. Um, Coop wants... I thought it was good. <laughs> Coop wants an Earl with a mind like a diamond. <laughs> <laughs> and a short jacket <laughs> and a skinny tie he's he has an anachronistically skinny tie for 1991 and a crazy leo yes <laughs> um yeah yeah it is kind of a pointless thing but whatever apparently with this episode they were like we need to fill minutes <laughs> despite the fact that they had like 20 plot lines going on they yeah. were like let's put in like three or four completely redundant scenes of dialogue very weird um, um Okay, what did I write here? My my brain got slow. Oh, well, okay. Oh, I know, I know what I wrote here. Did you have something else to say? I was just gonna say, well, we're back in this bar where children yes. hang out regularly. Um, <laughs> There's an amazing. To be fair, that is a feature of small town bars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I believe me, I have my own experiences with that, but it's still funny that like these like teenagers are walking they're smoking cigarettes in the bar right. and stuff like that it's Sorry, like what can i get you yeah james was ordering <laughs> beer when he was there before at least donna's like i'm getting a coffee or whatever yeah i thought it was funny she comes in she's like can i get a coffee because like yeah like i love going to a bar and having a nice latte yeah. <laughs> like a dummy but then i also love like evelyn is here because she just doesn't do anything but like try to assault james and go to a bar <laughs> i mean yeah. it makes sense because that's where he met her but like is that like that's all she does? <laughs> she has, just like, goes no back and forth to that bar every day. Don't work, nothing. But um, what kills me here is uh, there's this moment where like Donna's like, I'm looking for a guy named James, and there's this music, and the bartender's kind of like, okay, and like walks away, but then like turns, <laughs> like the music like gets lower, so, like her and Evelyn can talk, and it very much reminded me of the Mystery Science Theater werewolf episode when he's like let me turn down the soundtrack 
<laughs> the same sort of thing. Like, you just turn on the soundtrack so they can have a conversation. Um, and I do love that she just goes right into this bar and is like, I'm looking for James. Like, he must be at the bar. He's always at bars, I guess. So, and funny. Evelyn goes, Oh, James Hurley? Yeah, he already left. You should just go away, little girl. And they're it's like, both so aggressive. Yeah, to yeah. Each other they're both really, out of nowhere. Yeah. Donna is still kind of doing her affected, like, tough guy thing that she picked up during when they were doing Scooby Gang shit in uh, Twin Peaks. And Evelyn is just a bad person. So <laughs> between those two things, uh, it, it's a really rugged dynamic between these two characters. It's so funny. It's, I don't know. That bar is like around here somewhere. Oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah, <laughs> I think we should all go to it and order a coffee. <laughs> They'll be um, like, we get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if you want to talk about the shot that we transitioned out of this scene in or if you want to let me. Um, I would let you. Okay. So we get, as as this scene disperses between Donna and Evelyn, where it's clear she's not really buying it, but Evelyn is, we know what Evelyn's telling her is wrong. We don't know what Donna's next move is. We get this... Uh, the wonderful return of just you and I to the soundtrack very briefly. <laughs> while and it cuts off so weirdly. Yes, like, that was what I was about to say, where we have this extremely weird shot of James having apparently gone down to check on his bike, like he told us earlier. And he's just sort of like standing next to his bike and like holding his head, like he's having some sort of sci-fi, like alien attacking my brain waves <laughs> or something uh, thing. Like he's like, he's like kind of fidgeting around and he like collapses to the ground and it's like, dude, just, just go. <laughs> you don't have to drive it home. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, just you came at. Yeah. And, then and it, it just stuck. cuts off hard at the. My only note for that was break. God. Why? Yeah. <laughs> and then what's funny is Aiden was like, Oh God, this guy. Cause remember when Aiden first moved here, I was watching twin peaks and he made a video and it was, uh, he had taken the the song from Family Guy, high school is such a serious thing, yeah. these problems matter. And he interlated over James, like sitting next to his motorcycle, like looking out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember <laughs> that. Over whatever. And he's like, oh, God, this dude in this stupid song, huh? And I'm like, yeah, it, they just won't stop. They won't stop doing it to us for some reason. And will it, it will remain. <laughs> so. Um, here we get we go to Ben and we get some Ben Civil War uh, nonsense. And as much as this this plot line is is kind of stupid, <laughs> uh, very stupid. I love um, getting away from James. So, <laughs> wait, what is Civil War? What's happening? Is the South winning? <laughs> I'd love to know. No, wait, wait, yeah, Civil War, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what he's doing. No, he's. No. Uh, so there's a lot going on in this scene. Uh, that's yeah. some of it I think works well. Some of it doesn't so much. I will say it <laughs> is kind of weird that towards the end of that last episode, we kind of had this moment of breakthrough with Ben when Catherine came to visit him. And he had this like this moment of like self-awareness of being mm -hmm. like, oh man, I'm at this like pathetic point. And then now he's just fully back in it again. It's like, yeah. why, why did we do that? Like, I, I don't really understand. I think the point is she needs to be there for him to motorboat. Maybe. And then maybe like, so. if he's yeah. motorboating her, he's not thinking about this. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> the minute she leaves, he's like, yeah. Oh, I, I, I appreciate this, or whatever. I don't know. I don't this know revolutionary new uh, field of therapy that you've developed here. <laughs> <laughs> motorboating Catherine Martell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, While so, she berates him and calls him, she's like, you're pathetic. He's like, yeah, I mean, some places you got to pay for that kind of service. Yeah, I was going to um, say, I might have one really. This is the other thing I do. Um, but, <laughs> I berate men. <laughs> um, there, there's some interesting stuff going on here. Audrey is leading, uh, it's the triumphant return of Jerry to the scene. Um, the, there's a great implied joke here because Jacoby is in the room like watching and witnessing uh, Ben and encouraging him. And we don't see him at first. So there's this excellent thing where Audrey's bringing Jerry in and this in like this pretense of like, thank God you're here. You can help him. Mm. By the way, we have this useless psychologist who's here just like saying, yeah, do the crazy civil war shit. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good dynamics there. Jerry, it's probably the first time he's ever looked like he was off his game in this show. <laughs> he's like, always like, I'm ready to do the most ridiculous shit. And he comes in on this. He's like, Oh, whoa, hold on. Wait, why does he have a sword? <laughs> why does the crazy guy have a sword? <laughs> um, that he he looks so just like when he walks in and, and Audrey's like, here's what's been happening. He's just yeah. oh, oh what no. am I supposed to do again? Yeah, like he just what? doesn't seem very <laughs> out, out of his depth here. Um yeah, it, it's uh I don't know. Um I I still and I don't think it's a spoiler to say so. I don't really get the particular association with the civil war with, no, uh, yeah. with uh, Ben's deal here. And I yeah. don't think that's ever, it, it feels arbitrary and maybe that's fine. And maybe that's the point, but mm. uh, it feels like a lot of shit to invoke that has nothing to do with the area regionally that we're talking about here. Mm. It has nothing to do with uh, that character's behavior elsewhere in the show. Yeah. Why has, would he identify with the South? I mean, I, yeah, there's yeah, nothing and, else. And, yeah. Like it would be again, it would be one thing if there was like a regional element to it, but there's not. We're talking about the Pacific Northwest, like, yeah, associated with this. It comes out um, of nowhere, too. He's just like, I love the Civil War now, and you're like, okay, yeah. Right. And it's it's not even something you saw that kind of shit on his desk before this moment yeah. in the series, yeah. you know. And and even that would be something because the shit on <laughs> Ben's desk has been a plot point in this <laughs> series up to this point, so <laughs> right. it's like it, it feels like uh, it, it feels very weird, it feels like a lot of stuff to bring in for just no reason uh like the tableau with the flag at the end of the scene i mean it is kind of funny in the sense that you know the performances that go along with the ben character are just some of the best that happen on this yeah. show and you know he really sells it he works his ass off on this but um i you know some of this i could have done without seeing and it would not have hurt the show you know? yeah yeah it is i've always i think that's why like people talk about season two and like I'm like, yeah, like the Civil War stuff. And I think that's why I go to that before I go to like, oh yeah, James Evelyn or like whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it feels the most War? disconnected. It's from- just so shoehorned in. I it could be yeah. anything else. It would it would make more sense. Right. And it's as- like just weird for weird's sake, which is what people always said about the show. And in this case it is true. Like there, there's no reason yeah. for it. Yeah, there's yeah. no re- rhyme or yeah. reason to yeah. it. They at least try sometimes. Uh. But- and, and I think the great project of this podcast that, or at least the thesis we've come to is that, you know, when it works, the reason it works is because it is interconnected, even if it's in ways yeah. that seem surprising or seem not immediately obvious, but they're there when you dig. And this is like one of these things that it doesn't work for me because it, 
it doesn't have that. It doesn't tie into the rest of this right. stuff. It doesn't really give me anything about these characters' actual identities. So even though some of the stuff that works about the show is present here, like the character dynamics are all pretty good. The performances are all routinely good from the set of actors on the show. Um, the the puzzle pieces just aren't fitting together. Yeah, yeah. the only way I could see, like if, if Ben was somehow specifically engaged against his brother so he was like yeah. the war against but he's not yeah, 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 yeah. like he's not so i could do that yeah that would line work. up at all but yeah I exactly know. i mean there could have been something here to tie this into and there just isn't and i think that's really yeah. the thing i mean i i think the most generous possible interpretation <laughs> here is to say you know it's something about the war he's got within himself about like his version and understanding of his importance and his ability to run all right. these things in twin peaks and the fact that he's been double crossed and stuff but i you know again i don't see that making the imagery this pulls in worth it right. um and you know it's not externalized enough that like even if that is what somebody was thinking on the writing staff it's not on the page it's not right. on the screen so yeah i don't know i don't get it <laughs> And neither do they. And neither do they. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, let's snap them out of it somehow. I hope. <laughs> uh, yeah, it doesn't make too much sense, and and it will remain not making too much sense. I don't think we need to go too much more into yeah. it. Yeah. It is what it that, is. That's my little complaint about that stuff. Absolutely. Um, we go from that to oh, Major Briggs. Okay, I love this because. <laughs> Major Briggs stumbles into the sheriff's department, collapses in front of Lucy, and then she gets up and what does she do? She checks her lipstick. <laughs> and I was like, oh, because remember we had that whole thing about like me checking my lipstick. And yeah, I was going to say Colleen Briggs. moment, but I was going to let you. <laughs> well, here's my note. Major Briggs collapses, Lucy checks her lipstick, me. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, also, like, all people to be, like, disrespectful to Lucy. Come on. Major Briggs isn't someone you yeah. off like that. Um, um, and the Major makes a spectacular dramatic fall, too. Like, it's yeah, full he head back, like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> real and, great and We get, unless I'm missing something, we get no direct explanation of this. Because, like, he seems to yeah. be there to report on his debriefing from the air force guys so unless they like we're supposed to understand that they tortured him or something right. which they don't say um and or what like it's not really clear why he comes in all staggered it hard cuts to them uh to coop harry and the major sitting there and they're all drinking a glass of water and everybody's fine now and lucy's like do you need more water and they're like no and that's it. <laughs> that's how we, the major was dying of needing exactly one glass of water. <laughs> I am dehydrated exactly ounces. And if you could help me out with that, that'd be great. This is kind of, it is a weird scene. Like, yeah, I, I actually rewound it a couple of times because I was like, am I missing something? Like, am I just not focusing on this? Yeah. I will be honest. I am still on painkillers for my back. So by the time I watch these things at night, <laughs> yeah. So I was like, am I just high? Like, what's here now Aiden, yeah. and Aiden's watching it with me and he's like uh this is like exactly what he said I'm like okay I'm not missing anything this is just a weird scene yeah <laughs> the only uh, thing I, I might have on that is he does mention that um his the authorities in the air force when he spoke to them that they're the way they questioned him bordered on the paranoid so maybe yes. it was a very long that's it though there's not like they didn't torture him they didn't like withhold something right. from him yeah they just gave maybe like a long long interrogation session but 
have a drink of water before you go to the fucking police station. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't also, matter. Get a heater aid. Yeah. <laughs> Hydrate. The the important thing that we're supposed to grab from the scene is he basically reports, I think what I experienced was going to the White Lodge. And yeah. I think that I now have some like sort of foreknowledge of what's coming. And I don't have it in really specific, but I think that I can be helpful being vigilant and knowing that some like sort of cosmic event is coming up. But there's mm-hmm. there's other stuff in here that's kind of strange. Like we're supposed to buy Briggs and, and we do for the most part, but it, the dialogue in this scene kind of is strange about it where we're supposed to buy Briggs is like this like benevolent and wise and incredibly like increasingly cosmic figure of mm. like knowledge in this series. And that, that will not change. That's going to continue to be the major's trajectory uh, as we continue to see him through here. But he has this line of like, I have just realized that the U S air force is not ideologically pure. It's like, come on, <laughs> man. Like I, I know that we're, we're doing a certain suspension of disbelief with, uh, with, you know, government forces in this series where the FBI is basically like, like a wacky version of the X files or something. <laughs> so like, you know, maybe, maybe I'm not supposed to be reading that much into it, but it, mm. it feels like a weird thing to come out of a guy who's like, you know, increasingly yeah. like this, this like cosmic writer of wrongs who's like, right. you know what? The Air Force, US Air Force, I, I don't know about those guys. Like, did you know that war is bad? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I learned and, that and, in the White Lodge. Have you heard about Raytheon? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, my aunt worked for Raytheon, and uh, war crimes aside, they put a great Christmas party for kids. <laughs> well, that, I didn't pay that, once for Aiden to sit on Santa's lap. That that might be the most, that might be the most American sentence ever uttered <laughs> yeah. in the history of the country. <laughs> they really did go all out though. They were like games and face painting <laughs> on his lap, and like it was like this big like family fun day kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. But then it was like, oh yeah, but like <laughs> they're like <laughs> evil though. <laughs> yeah, my grandma worked for uh, Chevron. She was an executive sec- uh, secretary uh-huh. at Chevron, and so everything I got, like what the, she would get Chevron swag. And just send it to me. And so I was like this little walking advertisement for this <laughs> god awful corporation. <laughs> yeah, like for the sweater was free. So. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, nice pencil cool. set, you know, whatever. It's got like a picture Eighth of a grade. seagull covered in oil giving a thumbs right, up. Yeah, or something. Yeah. <laughs> Love this. This is so funny. I never hoping to change again. my look. <laughs> I never got. I never paid for Aiden to sit on Santa's lap once, and it was like kind of rad because that's super expensive. Like yeah. fifty bucks for like a. Like a three by, you know, like a like. Seriously, is that like, much? You're, you're suddenly. Yeah, it's an insane amount of money. Oh, wow. You're suddenly wow. that interviewer in. I think you should leave. How does that two million help you exactly? <laughs> that is my quote. That's my quote. And now, even if I do a bad job, I love the idea of Santa. That's my quote. Yeah. <laughs> like at the ball. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. So, so that's kind of just that scene. I love. I mean, I love Major Briggs. I love when he shows up. It, yeah. The scene itself was kind of like, hmm, but yeah, like, scene is strange. But you know, Briggs is always like the one of the favorite people to see on the screen at any <laughs> given time in the show. Yeah, so it was, you know, it is what it is. So, okay, now we're gonna this, this whole scene is so insane to me. This next scene, so we go, I guess, like backstory we had like the mayor and his brother fighting, right? And then the they're like, like octogenarians or whatever, and then like the brother married this like tart, and then like she like fucked him to death <laughs> and he's like she killed him with pussy 
magic or something. And, um, and you know, all the, the guys are goo goo for Gaga over her because like she's super sexual or whatever. And she's like, everybody I kiss dies. And it's just, it's like a real weird thing. But um, we have Jacoby, like noted creep. <laughs> yeah. no, noted creep. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, like psychoanalyzing, like the wi- widow Milford or whatever her last name is. And uh, is like, this woman has not killed anybody with her vagina. She just <laughs> likes to, to get down. And there's- Yeah, yeah. He's, he very much has a sentence that basically is just like, I've put my PsyD to work. Yeah. And what I've uncovered is that this chick is great in the sack. That, yeah. That's that's but my official ruling. And then, and then immediately the police are like, all right, you're free to go. <laughs> yeah. This is how We're it works. Look into this. We have a lot of other stuff going on right now. There's like a whole chess thing happening. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> we're ready to get out of this one let's just call it the exact line because it's spectacular is a uh, this woman possesses a working knowledge of technique anatomy and touch that few men have ever had the pleasure of experiencing and then he says <laughs> we're gonna go bowling bowling um it's just so funny so yeah, okay and, and their faces too their faces like during this when they're just like processing that information they're like Huh. Okay. And like Koopa is like the dumbest smile on his face. He's like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and, then he, and then Koop says, Well, let me be the first to congratulate you. And he, he <laughs> shakes like, her hand, which is such a funny. Like, like it's very like they're all like just super Tex Avery, like the eyes shoot out of their heads, <laughs> yeah. tongue unrolls for like 30 yards. But then like immediately the mayor's like, you hear like, ah! <laughs> and like the mayor is there with a gun and he's like, this vagina witch killed my brother. And, and I refuse to believe otherwise. Um, and, and it's so funny because they're like, maybe you should talk it out with her. And he goes, I don't want to talk. I want to shoot. And I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, and uh, and the joke is does not seem to be lost there where they're like, where I think, I think it's Coop who says, well, you can always talk first and then shoot later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and they're like, go talk in this room together. And he does, look like, and Aiden's watching it with me and he's like, they just let him go in the room with a, well, you know, much like the real police, they're not very good. Yeah, well, and yeah. And obviously <laughs> but, uh, the, the bit here is they're just like so certain this is going to work. And of course it does. That yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> he's like going to smooch him, smooch him until he's, pacified but what's so funny is there was obviously a commercial break yeah so they're sitting yeah. there like we're just gonna stand here and wait and so there's this like because it's you know uh, like streaming it's there's no real commercial breaks there's this like weird beat and then they're still standing there like it's been a long time yeah and it's clearly <laughs> the exact same shot and they clearly just shot it all at once and yeah. uh, acted like there was a long pause in there which is really good um i i do want to say before we get too far before they usher them into the room uh, damn, Truman doing some good de-escalation. He puts his gun away yeah. and he's like, look, I will put myself on the line for this. I will, you just go in that room. It's going to be fine. <laughs> what is did. Matt texting us right oh, now? Oh yeah, I just texted you. There's a great sign um, on the bulletin board behind Andy's head in that scene that says- Mom and dad, I used, I used drugs. Right. <laughs> Clearly like some anti-drug ad, but- yeah. I love that sign. Right. I want to put that on a shirt and I think I might. <laughs> if I do, I'll let you guys know. <laughs> um, and I love Andy's face in this. Uh, I'm going to tweet this because I love Andy's face here too. Where he's like, Hurr. It goes well with the poster itself, honestly. It is yeah. <laughs> so, 
so yeah, like this is just a silly, a silly thing where of course she wins him over with her magic witch smooches. And and everyone's just super horny in this scene. It's so funny. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Yeah, when like, they when they come in, he's the mayor is like, We've decided to adopt a baby with no preface or anything. <laughs> If I were that mayor, I'd be like, "Don't kiss me, I'm gonna die." I, I, I was. I, I wrote it. This. I wrote in my notes, "Rip to the mayor." I guess. <laughs> like, I, I don't actually remember what follows from this because this is yet another of these weird plot lines that has nothing to do with anything. I couldn't show. tell you. Yeah. I have no idea. I don't remember if this is tied into the Miss Twin Peak thing or something because I think that starts getting introduced in the next episode. But I couldn't. Like I said, eight yeah. what? And I'm like, I don't. I can't. Tell I have no idea. I don't know. It all just leaks out of my brain. My brain like is protecting me. Like the way trauma happens and like <laughs> or like childbirth, like your body forgets. So like you'll do it again. <laughs> That's me with the Twin Peaks season two arcs. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it is kind of cute though because it's got little kissy faces. Like Yeah, they, they do it in the most like cartoon way possible. So even though it's like a little icky, it doesn't feel that icky because it just doesn't feel that serious. Like you're not supposed to take it seriously. It is what it is. Um, Not not one of the better moments of the show, but also it's like, whatever, it's kind of funny. Here we from here we go to Pete and Catherine. And this scene starts amazingly because Pete is just so like beside himself about like hot dogs. They forgot to ask Josie to pick up the hot dogs. She already went to the store and he forgot to put it on the list. And he's just like, he's like staring at like the counter, like, what have I done? (laughs) My life is over. (laughs) This is terrible. Right. But then we, it quickly devolves into like mill stuff. And you know, I don't like that. (laughs) Yeah. Why is the mill stuff still happening? Well, at least we're getting into some of the actual intrigue of it here. I will say it's at this moment for me that this episode it feels like somebody in the editing room was like, we need to step on the gas with some of these plot points because we have way too much shit going on. And from this point on to the end of this episode, they're going to do a bunch of like sleight of hand in reveals and like, I, why, like, why I cram all of it in here? I don't know. Um, but they, they just decided to like, okay, well, we killed a couple of plot points earlier in this episode. So let's just throw a bunch more confusing shit in here. So it starts where Catherine just, seemingly out of nowhere decides to cut pete in on the fact that like hey uh so my brother's been alive this whole time mm-hmm. he's, he's just like, here he's just in the bottom of the like, house ben motor voting me <laughs> has, has put my has really like changed something in me and i yeah. need to tell you these things now <laughs> really uh, yeah some stuff and, into perspective there at least is a little bit of resolution of plot here where they sort of talk about okay so the reason that the there was this whole fake death thing with him is because they suspected Josie was originally there to try to murder him and usurp this property. This actually does fit in with the plot lines we've had about Josie so far. So at least that makes some sense. There is some like very weird stuff here where uh, Catherine is doing the sort of face off, like face waterfall thing to her brother, <laughs> which is just sort of right in front of her husband. It's like very weird. It, it, I, I don't know why it's happening. I don't know what I'm supposed to understand from it. Um, Are they having sex with each other? Like, what is uh, Yeah. It's like the least weird thing, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I can um, handle that. And then they're just sort of like, oh, and by the way, Eckhart, the guy that like w- was behind all these machinations he's gonna be here soon for no reason and it's like really it's like yeah he totally is and then it cuts to the great northern and it's like 
this woman is checking in and she's like, hi, I'm checking in for Mr. Eckhart. And then you get this <laughs> shot of an old guy standing in front of a fireplace with Ray-Bans on looking and sinister. The and it's like, like in the sunglasses. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, it's like, what is this? Like, it's just all of a sudden like, oh, by the way, here's a new bad guy. Like with no reason for me to care about it at all, really. <laughs> I actually wrote, who's this bitch? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. His, his, like checking his in. I'm like, secretary or remember? retainer or whoever she's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Oh, then we have this thing where there's a, a headline in the paper and it says, Asian man killed. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like... It's, yeah, it's supposed to be res- like tying off the plot point of like, what's his name? Josie's supposed cousin or whatever, but really yeah, he, was like like cousin, handler. he was the cousin for and here, he, was, he was like the co-worker here or whatever. It was a, like implied that he was abusing her or something. So like good that he's dead, I guess. But like, I, I don't really know what I'm supposed like, to learn from that. I was like, even in like the Pacific Northwest in the early nineties, I feel like Asian, like somebody like, like deducing someone all the way down to Asian man killed. Not, <laughs> not even like, Chinese man, Japanese, like just Asian. I'm not gonna yeah. figure out which which kind of Asian. Yeah, it is yeah. like supposedly he, he, he got murdered in Seattle. It wouldn't say Seattle man killed, so you'd know something about the regionality of the, like <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, I and even Aiden was like, that headline's kind of fucked. I'm like, yeah, it's yeah, 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 it yeah. Is. yeah, it's one of the least fucked up things on this show, but yeah, it's still fucked up. <laughs> um, weird headline, yeah. So then okay, wait. Oh, so then we move on from there, right? To Doc Haywood talking to like Nick and Andy, right? Is that the next thing? There's there's one little bit in between them. Okay. Uh, right before you get that, you get okay. this brief shot at the office at the or the um, the sheriff's office. Lucy is is commanding Andy to come into a room with her and Doc Hayward, right. and and Dick is there, and Andy probably knowing this is him about to receive the tongue lashing of a lifetime is like, he's like, he's like acting very busy with like answering the phone and like looking around the corner and stuff. And she's like, Andy, <laughs> he's like, so while this is happening, Coop and, and uh, Truman are kind of like uncomfortably crammed behind the desk, like making coffee copies and stuff. And uh, first of all, Coop is holding a book that just says Tibet on the front of it, which <laughs> is like, very on brand um <laughs> there's some smaller text that i didn't try to zoom in to read but like the title of the book is just tibet and uh like um harry is like hey coop like since you're my deputy and all i need you to do something for me and coop says i'm your employee if you tell me to drink coffee i'll drink coffee and he's like okay uh so what i need you to do is figure out what the fuck my girlfriend is involved in <laughs> because <laughs> i think it might be like really fucked up stuff and coop's like yeah okay, like, oh, i thought you were gonna tell me to have sex yeah, yeah coop's like i'm definitely not doing like several other insane supernatural murder cases at the moment so like yeah i can definitely just pile this on that's that'll be fine that's right i forgot about that i completely forgot about that yeah um so so yeah so we have this like doc hayward uh kind of lashing giving giving andy and dick like the the real story of little nicky and like a, a real like how dare you <laughs> sort of like scene where he's like he pulled his family out of a burning car like <laughs> no first of all he was the product of like a rape right and then uh his mother 
like gave him up or whatever. And he was adopted by this lovely couple. And then they died in a fiery rack, but he pulled their bodies out at six years old. And he has gone through more in his nine short years than you will ever go through in your entire stupid life. And they're like sobbing. Yeah. <laughs> Neither <laughs> Dick like, nor Andy very well equipped for this. And Haywood particularly leaning into Dick on this one where he's like, I did not bring you into this world to like be this kind <laughs> yeah, of Yeah, because he like shit. delivered him. Like his, yeah, like his yeah. mom was a patient. And he's like, I did not pull you into this world for you to go about tarnishing the good name of nine-year-old orphans everywhere. <laughs> like... And, and like Lucy's like, I hope you guys are proud of yourself. Throughout this scene, Lucy has like this big fly swatter. And like, I couldn't remember what the point of it was. I thought she was, I thought the implication was she was going to whack them with it. But she kills this fly at the end of the scene. It's very weird, but it is kind of funny to watch her holding this thing through the whole thing. You're like, like, oh God, she's going to unload on them. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's so, it's like so silly. Yeah. <laughs> like, but also the story is silly. Like, yeah. like I'm supposed to believe a six-year-old ripped some people out. Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've seen about this it. little Mickey kid. He doesn't look like anything. Like I, I feel like more that. suspicious of it now than I did before. Actually, yeah. I'm like, I, I'm kind of more on their side. It makes more sense. <laughs> Something ain't right about this, yeah. whatever it is. Um. Okay, so then we have to unfortunately go back to <laughs> Evelyn and James. Yeah, so... And- Go ahead. Here's what I was saying earlier where we have an it starts as almost an a precise replica of the conversation that they had earlier where she comes up into his room and he's packing again and she's like okay but don't leave and he's like no but I'm it's wrong I'm gonna it's like this is <laughs> verbatim what you said before like, uh, yeah. um and it gets a little weirder because here's where she reveals like oh hey so like I'm really in love with you James uh, I'm not in love with my husband. I'm also uh, having sex with the guy that I said was my brother. Um, don't worry, he's not actually my brother. Um, but I don't like. Don't worry, he's there. Yeah, yeah. I don't like. I him am either. fucking him. You know, it, it's unclear what my association is with him now that we've just changed this for no reason at this point. But uh, not my brother. Don't love him. Keep him around for no reason because he doesn't protect me from this guy. Uh, I love you. In fact, this is the only time I've ever said I love anybody, even though I am currently dating two other people in this household, <laughs> one of which is my husband. Um, <laughs> I'm dating my husband currently. And one of which I said was my brother and is maybe not my brother now. I don't know. <laughs> um, a horribly confusing scene for no reason. Like, She's like, look, give me a second. She pulls out a, a whiteboard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like okay, trying a family us. tree or something. We're right here now. Here's the I constellation of people in this house that I am sleeping with currently. Here's the ones that I love. Here's the ones that I'm related to. Here's right. the ones that I'm married to. There's no overlap between these three. It's like married question mark. Like yeah. brother question mark. Uh, um, James is gonna leave this scene discovering that he and Malcolm are somehow related. Like, yeah, he's uh, like, <laughs> I think I'm having an affair with Malcolm. Yeah. How did this happen? <laughs> but from Malcolm in the middle. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> like jumping, jumping genre. Um, How the so, fuck is Donna there? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> here's, 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 here's So I, I think that there's at least 
like you know you could maybe imagine that she followed evelyn back here from the bar (laughs) and and that at least sort of makes sense because evelyn was like oh i specifically know who you're talking about and no i don't have any idea where he is it it, that on its own sort of makes sense that like she might be suspicious about that but like how does she happen to arrive there like right as like (laughs) the cops are pulling up to investigate like you know uh, the car crash death right. of the husband that just happened earlier in the episode and then <laughs> she's just like standing off to the side in the trees the cops don't notice her she's like james come on the cops are right over there he's like yeah okay they just sort of like walk off these are terrible <laughs> cops i mean there's two people like 12 yeah. feet away from yeah. them <laughs> while they're running like, through the woods somebody in this house murdered this guy <laughs> and like we're gonna let these two walk away <laughs> not even talk to them. Cops. like i mean do you even have to ask this is the this is the twin peaks universe they're all bumbling fools. that's true yeah. <laughs> they're all either bumbling fools or they're insane mystics who can never fuck anything <laughs> up no there's in between. zero in between. Not one just like normal competent guy who's like i'm just here to arrest someone <laughs> like, i mean honestly maybe denise is the only denise character the that fills that role <laughs> um yeah the whole thing she's like behind a tree she's like please come on <laughs> it's like, but it's funny because the cops are coming and she's like my husband is dead. And he's like, you set me up. And she's like, don't worry, I'll take the fall. Or like, whatever. You can, you need to go. Get on your bike and go. And he's like real stupid. <laughs> Let this be the end. I don't want any more Evelyn. I don't care about any of these people. <laughs> yeah, and I feel Fine. like we're not, I feel like we're not done seeing these guys if I, if I, I remember correctly. <laughs> I, 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 I feel like there's some other part of the story that still has yet to occur i don't want to say anything about it because i'm pretty sure it's coming in the next episode or two but, oh okay okay uh, i don't um, i truly don't um so yeah she's like this is malcolm's idea donna was behind the tree so there's that yeah then we go to leo stumbling around the woods like a dipshit uh like like, <laughs> yeah. like like uh the, like that the footage of like bigfoot yeah, i don't understand what we're supposed to think his like mental state is right now because like he supposedly just woke up from this coma right or like this like sort of catatonic vegetative yeah, it was more like kind a of catatonic state thing, yeah. yeah um and like the scene that he was in earlier where he was attacking shelly he was so like like just 60s low budget horror monster movie guy where he was just sort of like making growling noises and like standing still in the shadows and then disappearing and then reappearing somewhere else it's like i can't tell if he's supposed to be possessed of his faculties or if Mm. he's just i i don't know it what 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 it comes down to is we don't really know what his deal is he's just sort of wandering going with like a knife sticking out of him (laughs) randomly through the forest and then yeah, he uh, finds a little house. He finds a little house and, and someone's like, come on in. Come be my friend. And it's <laughs> it's Wyndham Earl. <laughs> like, He's like, I he am. Got, like, got like garbage hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's like candles. It's real weird. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, he's like, come on in. You can call me Wyndham. And then like, for no reason, the lights blow out and a bunch of leaves blow across this chess table. <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's the end that's, of this episode that's the episode so so we got leo just moving from one crime syndicate to another after a brief comatose uh catatonic state uh, it's just the whole thing is 
And you know what's funny though is like thinking back, like I truly didn't remember how he like gets. I was like, oh yeah, that is just kind of like how he gets caught up with when with yeah, um, he just randomly stumbles in there. Yeah, <laughs> stumbling through the woods. Like, how did he know he'd be there? Like, did Wyndham Earl know he'd be in there, or was this just like a super lucky coincidence that he found like the one most terrible person in the <laughs> universe to like be his pal <laughs> and like help him with crimes, like. Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> so. so that's season two, episode 14, double play. <laughs> that's yeah, why is this, where was the double play here? Exactly. I mean, mm. I guess that. Oh, uh, Catherine, maybe? Maybe, but that's like, okay, double play the, the last yeah. episode. You're going to name it after that. All right. Yeah. Maybe the uh, fact that uh, Wyndham Earl's next chess move was represented by the body at the killing at the beginning and then coop said later offhand i'm gonna publish my next move in the twin peaks gazette i guess mm. um so there's can two chess say, plays I forgot, I forgot to say this too but can i just say that um that i loved the uh idea of him being like okay <laughs> Wyndham earl like set up a very elaborate crime scene murder i took a full page ad out in <laughs> the newspaper now he didn't so, so, specify uh, yeah. full, full page. It might have just been in the personals, like what well, the yeah, little one. But just even the idea that he's like, but I called the Twin Peaks Gazette and put yeah. it in an ad because you couldn't do it online back then. <laughs> you know, it's you couldn't just, funny. just shoot him a text or something. <laughs> yeah, it's just so silly to me. So <laughs> that's that. That's the episode. So where will we go from there? Who knows? We'll see. We're kind of in the nadir of the season two yeah. shit now. It's gonna, it's gonna start creeping back up a bit because there's yeah. gonna be some plot points. That are All right. So, All right. Little, I think we're recording right now. Yeah, it just said recording in progress. So we had a little um, issue where Matt's internet must have gone out and we lost him. So we're going to wrap this up without him and then he's going to add in his own producer's corner, which has a little bit of Colleen-centric information. So of course, this is the one time that it actually like crashed and I can't like chime in on it, but I don't want to spoil what it is because it's kind of cool. So. Hey everybody, producer Matt here. Uh, as Colleen and Chris said, I did have a technical issue that kept me from being there for the end of the recording and doing producer's corner with the crew um yeah but what i would have said and what i will say now is that uh sadly and kind of appropriately in a way since we spent this episode getting our backstory on wendem earl for wherever that will possibly go uh, we know his backstory uh, but sadly the man who played wendem earl in twin peaks kenneth welsh uh passed away uh, on May 5th of this year, 2022. And, um, you know, so uh, he, he's a guy who has a ton of credits. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of credits uh, listed on IMDb. Most recently, uh, if you watch Lodge 49, the sort of uh, disappointing um, but well-intentioned wannabe Twin Peaks uh, that ran on AMC a couple years ago, uh, he was Larry Loomis, the Lodge owner. Um and uh, recently, he, as of this year, he uh, was in the Kids in the Hall reboot. And uh, the Colleen-centric bit of news, though, 
is that he was the narrator of Psycho Goreman, which is a, a big time favorite of Colleen's. So, I, so again, I, I really wish that I'd gotten to spring that uh, news on her on the show and you would have gotten to hear it. Um, but I should also mention that in the time between when we recorded this and when I'm talking now and going to put this up today, um, Julie Cruz, um, fantastic singer um, and featured, um, of course, in the soundtrack of Twin Peaks and most specifically in that um, harrowing um, episode in which uh, Laura's killer is revealed and we see her singing uh, in the roadhouse. Um, just, you know, astonishing um, loss and um, very sad circumstances. And so, you know, uh, we'll pour one out for these two um, Twin Peaks giants. And, um, you know, hopefully I will not have this problem again. Thanks. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that was the episode. Um, where will we go from here? Well, a little something called the Miss Twin Peaks pageant is coming up. So mm. get excited for that. Well, as we prepare in breathless anticipation for that, uh, we should do our <laughs> sign off and uh, trust our trusty uh, producer to stitch this together in a way that sounds great. Of course, he will. Um, I guess that we can sign off by saying that I am Chris Pruitt. I'm Colleen Carney Hefner. We drunk monkeys, and we will be back soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.